You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Steel City time, almost time. Big, big week for the Vols time. Ranked teams, Vols back in the polls time. Lots and lots to discuss time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you. From Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon, a very sunny, very beautiful Thursday afternoon here. God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles from Neyland Stadium, actually 1.9 miles from Neyland Stadium exactly, uh, but that is not where Tennessee will be this weekend, the 24th ranked Falls, heading up to Pittsburgh to play 17th ranked Pitt at the uh, artist formerly known as Heinz Field. I believe it's now Acrisure Stadium. Horrible name. 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC on Saturday. Big, big game to talk about. Lots of stuff. Josh Heupel spoke with media this morning over at Anderson Training Center. Got lots to preview the game. And uh, thankfully for y'all, you don't just have to hear my voice. It's going to go. We're going to go over to that. Uh, that uh, We haven't really named Ben McKee's house yet, but we're going to give it a name at some point. We're going to go there, and we're going to go uh, to that undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown. Fellas, how are we doing on this beautiful Thursday? I'm doing great. Absolutely great. It's almost game day. We have a top 25 matchup to deal with this weekend to talk about, write about. It It doesn't get any better than that. And let the record show that I will be referring to the home of the Pitt Panthers as Heinz Field I, 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 all weekend long yeah, I agree with and that. the rest of eternity. As a Steelers fan, I refuse to call it anything other than Heinz Field. I don't care that they took the ketchup bottles down. It's still Heinz Field. Uh, now that Ben McKee has gotten off of his uh, soapbox at Ben McKee's house, which is the working title of his location, uh, it is good to know, Ben, and I pointed this out to you on Thursday, that when you Google map the stadium, you can type in Heinz Field and it brings it still brings it up. <laughs> I did that yesterday, too. <laughs> so you don't have to type in Akrisher or whatever it's called. Uh, it's the second dumbest name change in football this this year uh, behind the Outback Bowl, rest in peace, becoming the ReliaQuest Bowl, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, that reminds it, me of – It's not as bad as Kroger Field at least. It reminds me of when uh, you had the Peach Bowl for years and then they started calling it the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, but none of us would ever write Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. We still just kept writing Peach Bowl. Uh, and so they decide, you know what? Screw you, Peach. We're just going to call it the Chick-fil-A Bowl, so you have to call it what it is. And we still called it the Peach Bowl for a couple of years until they eventually were like, uh, okay, now we'll go ahead and call it the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl. But it, it was a process. It took a long time. But such is the name of corporate uh, corporate stadiums. People laugh all the time. Can we, take a, can, can we take a moment to just recognize the hell that would come down if Neyland Stadium was no longer Neyland Stadium? Yeah, if if they if I, they if they named it like Pilot Park or something like that or like the Sea Ray <laughs> Center or something like whoa. Food, Food City Stadium, Regal Regal Stadium. I don't I don't know that Danny White is like completely shut that door. By yeah. the way, yeah, if, if better, it, they he get better it. shut it quickly uh, if he wants to to have a home in Knoxville. He better shut that door quickly, Wes. Yeah, I remember when they changed the name of the O Dome or whatever to the Exec Tech Center just a couple of years ago. People were sort of, or whatever it is now, people were like up in arms about that. And that was Florida basketball, which even though they've won a couple of natties, they don't really care about down there. So it was kind of like, and they got upset about that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that that would be, if they changed the stadium, things here would burn. Before we get going here, though, on a serious note, I, I'm, I'm not going to, wasn't going to go the entire podcast uh, without mentioning this. Uh, it has been a really, really 
really, really tough, tough week uh, for our good friends across the state in the beautiful city of Memphis, Tennessee. There have been a couple incidents there uh, that have been unnerving and uncomfortable and painful and awful. And uh, from this side of the state, all we can really do, I suppose, is send love, and we are sending it. And it's it's just awful. I know Pat's from there. My brother lives there now and had to deal with everything Wednesday night with sirens and helicopters and everything. And before that, there was the, the, the woman who was out jogging, rest in peace. And it just, just awful, awful times for a great, wild, wonderful, often misunderstood city of Memphis. And we are sending you love from over here. I know that the, uh, there, there's three stars on that Tennessee flag, and sometimes it feels like it's three states in one because you kind of got West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and East Tennessee – and in a way, they are kind of three separate states, but um, it, all three states come together to form Tennessee, and it is sort of one heartbeat in the state, and I believe that fully with all my heart and uh, just wanted to get that off my chest before we got going because I know that we got a lot of listeners in the Memphis area. We can see the metrics every week. We know there's a lot of Tennessee fans over there. They read our site. They're on this podcast, and we love you, and we're sorry, and just hope that this week gets better for you. And maybe on some level, maybe on some small level, uh, very, very small level, uh, the Volunteers of Tennessee can go uh, make this a better week by going up to Pittsburgh and getting a big win on Saturday. You know, sometimes sports are a nice distraction from things, and and we got a fun game to talk about, so we're going to do that, fellas. This is the first time Tennessee has been ranked since Josh Heupel has, has been the head coach. Uh, this is uh, a big test for the first time as a ranked team. Uh, this is what looks like on paper a really fun matchup. And, I mean, Tennessee's played some big games in recent years uh, and probably going to play bigger games this season. But it's nice to be sitting here talking about a ranked Tennessee team playing a big game. Yeah, and it's it's the second week of the season. So a lot of teams that played um, <clears throat> more competitive openers are, are playing nobodies this week. So, I mean, they're one of the top three or four games easily. Uh, I don't know if there's any good games in that in that 3:30 window either. So um, they got Sean McDonough on the call, so you know it's a pretty nice. big game when, when he's uh, when when him and I think it's Plackledge, right? I think so. Yes. Um, and, and you know are, are there, so you know it, it, it's a big chance for Tennessee not only to um, solidify themselves as a top 25 team, but to you know make an early statement that that some of the the offseason hype, some of the hope was. Uh, warranted, but it's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, I think Pittsburgh is is pretty good. We saw that last year with with them going to win in the ACC, and there's a lot of cuts back from uh, from that team. You know, they were a veteran team last year, and I guess they're even more better now with all the guys they got back. So uh, it'll be a tough game. But uh, what's interesting to me about this matchup is there's so much familiarity. I mean, these teams haven't played since the '80s, but um, Josh Heupel, this will be his fourth game against Pitt in five years. You know, Hennett Hooker's played him four times in, you know, at Virginia Tech. And so, um, you know, Pitt's going to know how to prepare, how to play against this offense. And uh, and Heupel and Hooker and, and Tennessee's offense are going to know how to attack that defense. So uh, then there's the element of, of last season where, you know, it's it's a lot of the same personnel. So, you know, you know what to look for when you're scouting and you, and you know uh, strengths and weaknesses and all that. So it's a, it's a really interesting matchup for me. Yeah, the, the only other game, to your point, Pat, at at three thirty, that I find interesting is is Appy State Texas A and M. Uh, that's the only other game. So, uh, really, Tennessee is the premier game at three thirty this weekend. So, not only can you establish yourself as a legitimate top twenty five team, but if you could come out and have an impressive showing, uh, I, I think it could do wonders for for Josh Heupel and this program in, in terms of gaining momentum moving forward. Uh, it, it'll certainly help on the recruiting trail. You, you already have a ton of top prospects coming in for the Florida game at the end of the month. And who knows, maybe uh, a prospect that was trying to decide whether or not to come in for the Florida game is watching Tennessee Pitt and is impressed and decides to come in for that game. So uh, I think that this can be a statement game of sorts for Tennessee, uh, not in the sense of Tennessee's back or, or Tennessee's going to go win the SEC or, or make the playoffs, but a statement that, you know, Josh Heupel is is for real, and, and this team is is going to be a good team this year because I, I do think that if you lose this game, Wes, that that probably means that you're going to have similar struggles to that of last season. Where if you win this game, it probably means that that you truly have gotten better. 
Uh, and, and it's not just Hinton Hooker. It's not just Cedric Tillman. The guys around them on both sides of the ball have gotten better. And theoretically, that will lead to more wins down the road. And it won't be a struggle to get to a bowl game. You'll finish with eight wins and, and then go potentially win a ninth in a bowl game. Yeah, Ben, I think that's that's a that's a really well taken point because I, I I think that when this schedule came out, right, we did what everybody else does. You look at the schedule and you say, okay, uh, what are the slam dunk wins? What are the likely losses? And then what are the swing games? And and this was the first of those, you know, whatever four or five really big swing games that sort of ultimately will dictate how this this season goes and. You know, to be clear, Tennessee could lose this game and still win an SEC championship or a national championship. I mean, that that stuff is very much on the table because if you were to go beat, you know, Bama and Georgia and, and win the East and go, you know, you're still right there where you want to be at the end of the year. However, I think if we're being honest, you lose this game, it, it makes it hard to see how you're going to go and win some of those others. So, so to me, this is such a big game because Pitt is – I would stop short of saying a great team. I think it's a good team. Sometimes a really good team kind of depends on the day. Um, but a lot of what they did last season, and Narduzzi's calling card is defense, and he's always been a really good defensive coach. You talk to people around the country, they'll tell you he's one of the best around. Even NFL coaches go to Pitt, or they used to go to East Lansing. Now they go to Pitt in the offseason and, and talk to Narduzzi about his defense because it's a really, really good defense usually. He knows what he's doing. He develops guys well. He has a system. It's good. But we all know that last year uh, Kenny Pickett was just playing at an unbelievable level at quarterback, and Jordan Addison was maybe the best wide receiver in college football. Neither one of those guys is is there uh, right now. Now they brought in Keaton Slovis, good player, uh, got a lot of experience. He was a big-time prospect. He started a lot of games at, at SC over there on the West Coast, uh, has some, some legitimate Power 5 experience. Uh, and they brought in a couple of transfers at receiver who were solid players, and they've got some solid running backs, some big guys up front, a really good defensive line. They're a good team. I just don't know that they're a great team. And when I look on paper, I do think Tennessee has a little bit more talent. But that I could look foolish. Pat, I could look foolish saying that now. But I, I think Tennessee probably has a bit more, you know, bit more oomph right now. Well, it's easy to say that, and I mean, again, Pittsburgh won the ACC last year. I know agreed, they had people crap on the ACC, and you know, Clemson was down, so they took advantage of that. They also beat Clemson, so mm-hmm. um, I think people, you know, are underselling you. Right? I think you just undersold Pitt because this is a team that won what eleven games and won a won a Power Five league last year. Like yeah. this isn't this isn't Pittsburgh of a few years ago. Where also had a horrible loss. Their ceiling also had a horrible loss though. Well, I mean, most teams have a horrible loss these days uh, outside of Alabama and Georgia. I don't know about that, so, bad. Know about that bad. Um, didn't Ohio State choke a game last year? I guess Michigan kicked them around. So, I, I, you know, I, I think this game gives – I think there's maybe more at stake for Tennessee if Tennessee wins in this game than necessarily if they lose. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if they lose this game, so much can change throughout the course of the season – uh, you know, it was funny reading some of the reaction from from some of the some some Tennessee fans on our message board, the checkerboard, and you know, everyone o- always overreacts to the first game. Like, all right, Florida looks a lot tougher now. Anthony Richardson looks really good. Was re- Anthony Richardson was like a projected first round draft pick going into the year, having thrown like seventy passes. We knew he'd be good. Um, you know, if South Carolina looked like this, Kentucky looked like that. It's going to change throughout the course of the season. So, um, if Tennessee doesn't win this game those toss-up games are still going to be the toss-up games, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, but I think if Tennessee goes out in, in this opportunity, and this is a big opportunity game, and I know Pitt's maybe not a, a name-brand team, um, but if you go out on the road and you handle business and you beat a team that, that won a league title last year, I think that gives you instant credibility. Um, that, that's my thought of it. And, and uh, again, I know this you know this, this Pitt team isn't last year, but um, – like I said, they they bring a lot of guys back on both sides of the football. So, um, in a way, they are the same team from last right. year. Right, right. <laughs> so that, that's kind of the way that without I look at without it. without Pickett and without Addison, though. But that's yeah. the but that's maybe the two guys they lost on offense, and they lost what maybe one or two guys on defense. Yeah, not many on defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think Tennessee fans need to embrace that that Pittsburgh is a, a good football team. Like it, this is a good thing. 
that that they are good. And and I think far too many people, and, and this has been a, a running rant that I've had for years, and, and those who follow my work have heard it plenty of times, but I, I hate the people, and I'm not at all saying this about you, Wes. I'm just speaking generally. <laughs> I hate the people. I hate your guts. <laughs> yes, I, I let's hate, go. I, I hate when people just look at the logo on the side of the helmet and assume that because they, they haven't really done anything historically that Tennessee should win that that game because the Power T is a bigger brand than the pit logo on the side of the helmet. Like, no, that that's not how it works. And it's driven me crazy for years with Kentucky – uh, and, and Tennessee has still managed to have success uh, in Mark Stoops' uh, run there at, at Kentucky. But uh, th- those couple of seasons with, with Derek Mason and, and Kyle Shermer, you, you see the V on the side of the helmet, and you just automatically think that they're they're bad. And that's just not how it works in sports whatsoever. Uh, South Carolina, Missouri, so on and so forth. So uh, Pittsburgh, maybe not the, the brand name that, that competes with Tennessee typically, but it is a really good Pittsburgh team, and I think Tennessee fans should embrace it because it's it's a good thing. If you go up to Pitt and, and what will be seventy thousand people, and it may not be the environment that the backyard brawl was, but it's still going to be a great environment, and it'll still be impressive to go up there and win against a good football team. Uh, and I think that's something that that Tennessee should embrace because, like Patrick just said, it, it can be a, a statement win, and also. On the flip side, if Tennessee were to lose a close game to Pitt, that doesn't mean that that the the, the roof is caving in because you lost a close game to a, a good football team. It's not like you lost a, a close game to a, a bad Pittsburgh team. That that would not be great. So uh, to me, it, it, it's a really good Pitt team. It's a really good Tennessee team, and it's going to be a really really fun football game. Yeah, I think that, that, that there's I, I don't I don't know if misnomers the 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 right the right word I, I i don't know that that what i said either it didn't come out the way i wanted it to or it wasn't understood the way i said, wanted Wes. it to be understood be, no but here's you made your bad lie in it here's no my, my point is this if if people thought like both of y'all think right now why did tennessee open as a four-point favorite and why did that immediately go to six or seven i'm not saying Pitt's a bad football team i think tennessee has more than Pitt does and I think Vegas well, thinks more because you wouldn't go on the road. Tennessee would not be going on the road to play Pitt, uh, the 17th ranked team in the country, the reigning ACC champions, and be a six or seven point favorite if people didn't think, yeah, I like this matchup for Tennessee. And that's all I'm saying. I think Pitt's good. I just like this matchup for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think uh, clearly the Vegas line to me says that they think Tennessee's the better team. Um, and, and, you know, they have, you know, I do think I will say this. Tennessee knows how good Pitt is. Uh they mm-hmm. they remember this game last season. Pitt gave them some real problems. Um you know, the, the numbers with this defense, it's not it's not a fluke. I mean, and we heard from Jabari Small and a couple other guys this week that are like this 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 defense would not look out of place in an S, in the SEC. Good D-line. With some of the athletes and some of the power and, and the way they play, aggressive on the outside, all these things. So um, some Tennessee fans may have certain views of, of Pittsburgh and, and maybe of the ACC. And of course, the ACC, you know, got kicked around a little bit in, in the first week of uh, of the season. Aside from Florida State, um, you know, NC State, North Carolina were probably lucky to win those games. But um, but you know, I, Tennessee behind the scenes, they they know what they're up against. They know it's going to be a tough game. Um, they know Pitt is going to come out and. and um, and, and play a certain way, and they're going to have to match that that challenge, on, particularly on the line of scrimmage. So, um, I, I was the one who picked Tennessee to lose this game last year. I think what's what's different. Why don't you brag and, and, about it? Well, I, I am pulling a Grant Ramey and bragging about it because I, I thought that game was, was. Why do you hate the balls? Clearly, I hate the balls. I, I think one of the reasons, um, and, and it's easy to say that last year's game doesn't mean anything doesn't want to impact this game i that's not entirely true with this matchup because you look at that game last year Tennessee probably should have won that game yes they lost the game because they had three turnovers they had 13 penalties uh joe milton missed a bunch of guys early in the game uh then they had the crap spot there at the end before the the fourth down which was clearly a blown call so um and that was tennessee with no tie on evans no Jabari Small for the second half. Cooper Mays didn't play in that game. I think Cedric Tillman had one catch. 
Like this, this Tennessee team. Cade has Mays got hurt. On, Cade Mays got hurt on the second, third drive. Like this team, this Tennessee team is a lot different than the uh, than the one that played Pitt last year. Uh, and so maybe that's why some people think, or, or maybe that's why Tennessee's favored now. I don't know, um, but I, I do. I mean, I, I would probably pick Tennessee to win if we were. I don't know if we're picking on this podcast, but. Um, but I think it'll be a tough game. I think it could be a game like last year where there's a lot of ebbs and flows and, you know, swings of momentum and things like that. But, uh, I, I do think if, if you're underselling pit, maybe you shouldn't be. And, and maybe some of that's also too, you know, I went back and watched their game against West Virginia the other night and I, you were sitting there at like eight minutes to go in the game wondering how, how are they going to pull this out? Knowing the outcome while watching it, you were like, West Virginia's got the ball. They were about to get, you know, get, get field position or, you know, like the 40 and then they got a penalty, you know, they're up seven. Um, and you're wondering how Pitt came back and won that game. And, and maybe, maybe that's why, because they, they didn't look great in their opener, but uh, this is still a, a good team, a team that's coming off of uh, an ACC title. They know how to win. Um, they know how to, to mess stuff up on, on the defensive side. They, they've led the uh, country in sacks the past three years. So it, it's going to be a tough game. And I think Tennessee knows that. And, um, but yeah, I, I think maybe the, the changes from the meeting last season and then also just the way maybe Pitt looked in their opener, probably why, the, why, why Tennessee is favored by, I guess, what is it, a touchdown? I think the last I saw it was six. Yes, it, it is a touchdown. It, Wes, I do agree with what you you said and I guess reworded it, if you want to call it that. I, I, I agree. Um, I think Tennessee is the better team uh, than than – Pittsburgh, at least on paper, but that, that's why you go play the games. I, I do think the matchups maybe favor Tennessee more. Uh, I, but I, I even go back and forth on, on that with my own self uh, because I, I do think Tennessee has the advantage on the perimeter with Hooker, Tillman, Brew, Hyatt. Like I, I love that matchup, but then I also go go back to that this is a line of scrimmage game. And like right now, I don't I don't trust Tennessee's defensive line going up against a good offensive line until they go out there and prove it. And I I do think the offensive line looked awesome last week against Ball State, but I do want to see them against one of the best defensive lines in all of college football. But and, but and I truly the, do. But West Virginia had a lot of success running the ball last week. Yeah, they they did absolutely, um, and that that could be an indicator of what Pitt's going to be this year. But I, I would look across that defensive line and the the amount of guys that they have and look at them as NFL guys. Haba Baldonado, Kalijah Kansi, John Morgan III, Deslin Alexander. I mean, they have four legitimate NFL prospects up front along the defensive line. And then the guy behind them, Zeraka Dennis, is one of the best linebackers in the entire country. So is, is that a product of what West Virginia was doing? First game jitters. You're right. They they did not do a good job of, of stopping the run, and and that was out of the ordinary. Uh, Pat Narduzzi said it was uh, crappy, but used the S word. Yep. Uh, and, and instead, during his press conference, he was not happy at all. That's a fair point. But just because West Virginia did it doesn't mean that Tennessee is going to do it. Like Tennessee's got to go out there and prove it uh, in the trenches as well. And to me, my logic in terms of point spreads are a little bit different than, than most. I, I kind of think outside of the box, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But with like a touchdown favorite, like to me that that doesn't signal that Tennessee is just that much better than, than Pittsburgh. Like it, it goes off in the heads of people typically like Tennessee, it could be back and forth all game long. Tennessee scores late and happens to win by a touchdown. That doesn't mean that Tennessee was just so much better than Pitt. It just means that they happen to score a touchdown at the end of the game, and, and the difference was a touchdown, um, just like last week with, with Pitt and West Virginia. Pitt scored the, the last touchdown and, and was a touchdown better, but if you go back and watch the game, like Pat was illustrating, you wouldn't have thought that Pitt was uh, a touchdown better than West Virginia based off how the game had played out yeah. to that point. So Yeah, I agree with that, and, but there, there are some matchup things. I think there's a difference in saying – is this team better than the other team versus just what what is the matchup itself? And, and I think that's where games are actually decided, not by which team is better than the other one, but which team matches up better with the other one. That's just kind of 
how sports are, but that might sound like the same thing. I don't, I don't think it is, but I'll explain that in a second, or at least my opinion on it, and then we can discuss that because I think that could be a fun discussion. But before we do that, we are overdue for a break. Got to step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, uh, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll be right back to pick this up here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location. Location. And Ben McKee uh, coming to you from uh, from from TBA, not Thompson Bowling Arena, but to be announced. As in, we we are not sure uh, what that location is going to be called yet. Where the curtains look nice, so 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 maybe it'll be something curtain related. Maybe not. That's just something off the top of my head right now. However, uh, we are here discussing Tennessee football. Big big game for the Vols coming up on Saturday, the twenty fourth. Ranked Vols headed to Pittsburgh to play the seventeenth ranked Panthers. Three thirty p.m. Eastern kick on. ABC. Uh, we're discussing that the rest of this episode. We've also got a, uh, an episode coming out late, late, late Friday night, uh, probably uh, early, early, early Saturday morning, late, late Friday night, discussing this game with uh, our good friend Ed O'Brien from uh, who covers Pitt for the uh, for 24-7 sports there at Panther 24-7. We dealt with Ed last year. He's a good guy to deal with. Dealing with him again this year. Plenty of good stuff there. You can look for that, I guess, uh, tomorrow or just, just slightly, depending on how you define days, uh, sometime about 36 hours or, or, or 30 hours from now. So we will get that to you. However, we got more to discuss in this episode first. And before we do that, just a quick suggestion or a quick request from our end, guys. If you could take about 60, 75, 90 seconds tops out of your day right now, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, we would appreciate it. Why do we say it every episode? Because it is that important. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very, very few complaints from our end. I'd like to say none, but um, let's be realistic. Maybe a, maybe a couple small complaints here and there, but very, very, very few. We love doing this. And we do this for free, and since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe and tell some friends, right? Good old-fashioned, uh, hey, uh, I, I, this guy's a Tennessee fan, my coworker, my friend, um, you know, my, uh, my partner, my, someone I see at church, someone I see at a barbecue, wherever. Tell them about this podcast. That stuff works too. Good old-fashioned telephone. It still works. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, pit, matchups. I think there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, and, and my point that I was making at the end of the first segment was, when I just look at, at the matchups in this game, I look at the things that Pitt wants to do offensively and who they're doing it with. You know, for whatever reason, Mark Whipple, the previous OC, despite putting up historically good numbers, uh, he and Narduzzi did not see football the same way. Uh, and Narduzzi was very public about that. At the end of the day, he's the head coach. So they go out, they get a new OC, and they want to run the football. 
uh, in an era where everybody's spreading out and everybody wants to, even at the NFL, he wants to go out there and run the ball. And that, that's how he wants to play the game. Uh, I don't think running at Tennessee is necessarily the best way to beat Tennessee. I think the way Pitt played last year with the pieces it played with was the best way to move the ball and score on Tennessee. And I think that at the end of the day, uh, Kenny Pickett escaping pressure was a, maybe the single biggest factor in that game for Pitt's offense. And I don't think as good as Slovis is with his arm talent, and it's very, very good, I don't think that escaping pressure and making things happen with his legs is his strength. So I just look at the matchups here, and I look at the way West Virginia was able to run the ball on Pitt too. I, I, I look at the size of Tennessee's receivers. I think Pitt's a really good team, and I wouldn't be surprised if Pitt won the game. But I see why Tennessee's favored because I like these matchups for Tennessee in a game that, frankly, Tennessee should have won last year. And if it had just played a decent game, it would have won by 10 points. I'll start with Pittsburgh's offense. And, and I don't know why Narduzzi threw Whipple under the bus. If you had Kenny Pickett, wouldn't you be yes. letting him throw it around the yard every play? You know, or this run, wasn't or, a very good or, running or, team. Or run around and throw it, yeah. Right. I mean, you had Jordan Addison, who was the best receiver in college football last year because he won the Bolitnikoff Award, which mm-hmm. goes to the best receiver in college football. Um, yeah, it, it part of the reason I think Tennessee won this game is because an identity change like Pitt is trying to do doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, you've got all these offensive linemen back, but, you know, these guys were really good last season as pass blockers. Now you're asking them to go out there and, and do something that maybe they – uh, weren't brought in to do under the previous coordinator, or maybe that's not their strength. Um, it didn't look like their strength. I mean, Pittsburgh came out against West Virginia, and they were they were running out six and seven offensive linemen in some formations. Um, Westfield loved this. They played a fullback. Fullback scored a touchdown in that game. Oh, be still, um, be still, my beating heart. I, I think I saw one play where Pitt had eight offensive linemen. <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you what they're trying to do, um, then I mean, it's pretty obvious that, that they're that that's what they're trying to force. Now, what's interesting to me about this offense is I feel like they could still spread it out, go three wide, and just let Slovis throw it around because uh, Jared Wayne's a good player. I think he's probably one of the more underrated receivers probably in that league. Um, Kanata Mumpfield was really good at Akron as a freshman last year, was one of the best receivers in the MAC. Um, He could be a tough matchup in the slot. And then uh, uh, Jared Means, or as he goes now, Bub Means, who – uh, briefly was a Tennessee ball for what was it the 2020 2019 season? I can't remember. He comes in from Louisiana Tech, and I mean, he looks like a, you know, he's a good looking player. Um, I think he was only like the third leading receiver for a lot of tech last season, so maybe he's not, um, you know, if he's sort of the guy, you know, had a other couple, couple other guys there that maybe he's not as good as, but uh, and then they got a good tight end and, and Bartholomew, and then they've got a couple running backs who made some big plays catching the football against West Virginia. So <laughs> it almost seems like if they wanted to. They could spread it out, throw the ball around with, with Slovis because um, he's capable of it if he is kept clean. Um, his, his numbers, uh, looking at some PFF stuff, his numbers when he was kept clean versus when he was under pressure were very different. So that's a big key uh, for me in this game is can Tennessee, whether it's different coverages, disguising some things, whether it's different pressures, whether it's guys just winning up front, they have to get Slovis uncomfortable. They have to get him moving his feet. Uh, he can scramble a little bit, but he's not. He took five sacks against West Virginia because he held the ball too long sometimes. So, uh, if you can get him holding the ball, if you can get him moving, maybe get a little bit of indecisiveness there. You ought to be able to keep him in. He's not going to run around and do some of the things Pickett did. Uh, so, but you know, I, I think Tennessee can stop Pittsburgh's run game because I'm not sold on on that run game just yet. It looked really good when when Rodney Hammond was in. Uh, he's five nine, two hundred, runs low. Uh, will lower the shoulder and put the boom on, on guys. Uh, it was a very, very big difference when he was in the game against West Virginia and then when uh, their other running back was in. So, um, but I, I'm not sold on, on Pitt trying to, to force this change. It doesn't, you know, uh, you, you can't sort of change what you were and become something very different overnight. You know, can it take effect after two games? We'll see. But uh, I, I think Tennessee's got enough guys up front that, um, can hold their own, can make plays. Um, you know, if if you told Jeremy Banks, hey, it's going to be a smash mouth game, Banks would probably be sign me up for that. So, um, but that's something that, that Tim Banks said earlier this week was interesting is that, you know, you have to sort of be ready for anything. You know, you may think Pitt's going to come out and with a new offensive coordinator and, and try to run the ball, throw a lot of big guys at you, things like that. But they also could come out and throw it a lot more. You know, 
So it's through for 308 against West Virginia. So Tennessee has to be prepared for those things. I do worry about Tennessee's secondary. They're going to have to put those guys more on an island. They're going to have to play a little bit more aggressively than they did against Ball State. And, and can Warren Burrell, can Christian Charles, can Kamal Haddon, can those guys hold up on the outside? You know, what do those those two stars do with, with McDonald and, and Wesley Walker? And can their safeties do a job against the, the tight ends and running backs? Those are big question marks for me for Tennessee's defense. But uh, I, I think they can – stop Pitts running game. The bigger question to me is can they affect Slovis enough to keep him from basically sitting back there and carving up, carving him up, which is what he can do when he's got time and, and is clean. Right. That, that first segment of the podcast, at, at least for my sake, was not intended to be a pit love fest at, at all. So please do not interpret it as such, because as are I did, ben, ben, are you trying to tell us what to think? No, because ben. I let you, I let you tell people what to think, not me. <laughs> Ben, do you think uh, do you think Pitt would beat the Steelers head to head? No, Mitchell Trubisky would throw for five hundred yards. <laughs> I'm all in on Trubisky, baby. Uh, not really, but no. I, I as I mentioned, like I I think Tennessee is the better football team, uh, and, and I do think Tennessee will win this game. Uh, I do think there are matchups that really favor Tennessee. The only point that I was trying to get across is that just don't assume that because Pittsburgh is not the brand that Tennessee is, that Tennessee's going to go up there and roll their helmets out and win this football game. And I, I do think a large chunk of fans agree with that and, and are not assuming that Tennessee is going to win this game. And it, it would be foolish to assume that Tennessee is going to win this game based off of what happened last season. I, I just do worry about some of the, the, the lack of resumes. Like, for instance, Wes points out, how successfully West Virginia ran the ball, and it's a great point. It's something to keep an eye on. I'll be curious to see if if Tennessee can replicate that success. And part of me does think that they will replicate their success, but I think it's more about the scheme of Tennessee's offense that will allow them to to replicate that success more so than Tennessee's offensive line just lining up in front of Pitt's NFL defensive line and just moving them off the ball. Because Pitt's not going to be able to load the box the way that Narduzzi wants to. If he loads the box the way that he wants to, you're leaving Brew McCoy, Jalen Hyatt, or Cedric Tillman, one of the three, out there on an, on an island, and you just can't do that. And then when Narduzzi finally does commit to another guy out there on Brew, on Hyatt, on Tillman, then Tennessee's going to take advantage of the fewer bodies in the box and theoretically be able to run the football. Uh, so although West Virginia was able to run the football, the Pitt defensive line has a long resume. Their resume is longer than Tennessee's offensive line's mm-hmm. resume. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is still trying to prove things, whereas Pitt's defensive front doesn't have anything to prove. So that that is kind of why I, I touched on on that matchup more nuanced, and, and it wasn't meant to be a Pitt love fest. But uh, I, I do agree with Pat. I, I think that uh, Tennessee has the majority of the matchups in, in this game, and – and I'll be curious to see what they do with Keaton Slovis because they, they have not been able to run the football at all in the past couple of years. It, it just wasn't a last year ordeal. I mean, you go back to the last several years, and they have struggled to run the football under Narduzzi. Uh, specifically speaking of last season, I mean, they were one of the worst ACC rushing teams. Uh, they ranked 11th with 149.2 yards per game, and they only had 2,000 rushing yards on the season which was ninth in the ACC. And they won and, the league because that's what football is now. Right. And, and the other reason I feel good about Tennessee's defense, although there are still a ton of question marks, th- there's some c- concern with Tennessee's defense. The reason I'm not as concerned about it in this game as maybe I would be against Anthony Richardson or Jane Daniels is because Keem Slovis isn't going to slice up the t- Tennessee defense with his legs like Kenny Pickett did last year, like an Anthony Richardson might be able to do, like a, a Jane Daniels, Bryce Young, so on and so forth. Tennessee, I don't know that Pitt's going to be able to take advantage of the dual threat that has hurt Tennessee so much last season as much as they would like because Keaton Slovis, not a statue, but more of a pocket passer than a dual threat quarterback. And as Pat mentioned, even last week, I mean, he, he was holding the ball far too long and, and they had five sacks as a result. And Narduzzi was blunt about it. I mean, he he put it all on Keaton Slovis. Uh, he, he was terrific when he did get rid of the football, but he took way too many sacks. So 
I, I think that can eliminate some of the concern with Tennessee's defense and, and maybe allow them to have more success than they typically would against an Anthony Richardson uh, or Jane Daniels or those mobile quarterbacks. And, and the last point, Wes, that I that I have in terms of why I really feel good about Tennessee is Hendon Hooker. And we can talk about it more here in a moment, but good luck finding a quarterback playing better ball than Hendon Hooker or, or more efficient wow. ball than Hendon Hooker. There, there may be better quarterbacks in the country. You look at a C.J. Stroud, you look at a Bryce Young, but in terms of efficiency, Hendon Hooker's up there with anybody, and, and I, I think that that will end up being the difference in the football game. Wes thought he played really bad in the first game. Though. I never said that. <laughs> I never said that. I said he was not fully in rhythm like he normally is because he was a tick slow on a couple of reads, and I think a couple times he made just not bad decisions but not the best decision he could make. But, and, and we and we got used to him. When you throw spend a season throwing like, what, 31 touchdowns and three right. picks like you're used to seeing a guy who almost always makes the like the best decision and a couple times last week I was like ah, he looked like just a really good player not like the one of the best players in the country like he was for parts of last year and I when you hold yourself to that standard which was my point it's not about you know your opponent it's not about even the score necessarily it's about comparing yourself to yourself like did I was I the best version of myself today and I think he'd be the first to tell you he wasn't the best version of himself last week well I'm just I'm just messing with you I'm just busting on you because I mean you're right I mean Hooker has set such a high bar that um we that when he doesn't meet it or doesn't surpass it it's kind of you know he's sort of judged on a different level now um, for me, looking at, at Tennessee's offense, I, I think two things have to come into mind. Um, I, the top of the list is this offensive line has to step up to the challenge, and I think they know that. Um, and, and I want to see, Ben, I think one of your, your best points from the first game was that this group sort of played with an edge. They were mixing it up, things like that. They weren't backing down. Um, they're going to need that again in this game because they're going to be going up against a, a, a really tough group. I think Tennessee has to be able to run the ball enough. They're going to have to be it's, – it's hard to say they have to stay persistent with it because so much of what Tennessee's offense is is just reads. Um, so a lot of times if they're running the ball, it's, it's not necessarily a, a called run. Sometimes it might be, um, but a lot of times they're, they're running it whether or not you know, there's a, a seventh man in the box or whatever. So uh, even if it's two yards, three yards, Tennessee has to be able to run it well enough to stay out of second and third long. That's the first key. Um, they also have to hope they can hit some of those big runs that West Virginia hit. I think West Virginia had like four runs of more than 20 yards in that game. Um, and, and Pitt had some misfits where uh, number 11, their linebacker, who's one of their new starters, Kamara, I think is his name, mm-hmm. looks like a million bucks. Probably going to be a really, really good player. But they, maybe they, a little bit they, they were talking him up during fall camp. And he, right. he plays a, the weird star position in Narduzzi's defense where it, it isn't the star position in Tennessee's defense where it's more of a defensive back. It's more of a linebacker. It's almost like a Leo. Yeah, Indiana has one too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little bit Isaiah Simmons-ish, if you will. Sort mm, of yes. a guy that does yeah. a little bit of everything. But Great you know, compare. He, he's, a, he's a guy that's probably going to play in the NFL one day. Just as young, hasn't played a whole lot. So, uh, And the way that Pitt plays and the way that Tennessee will force them to play is um, they sort of compartmentalize the field where there's only a certain number of players that are affecting the play near the box. So if he's out of position and there's a hole, I mean, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright have enough burst if they get through it that they can get 15 yards pretty quickly and be one-on-one with the safety. So uh, I think Tennessee has to stay ahead of the chains running the football. I don't think they have to go out and run for 250 yards. Um, with this pit defense, this, uh, West Virginia, I think they had 190 yards. It was the most they'd given up since like 2019. Mm-hmm. So this is a defense that you know, was what they did last week. Was that the exception or is that the, the norm now for, for this group? So, uh, and the other thing is, is Tennessee's offense is going to see a completely different style from what they saw against Ball State. Ball State dropped eight, rushed three. They really rushed two in some third and long situations because their defensive tackle basically got out of his stance and stood there and sort of shadowed wherever Hooker went. Um, Tennessee's going to get a lot of one-on-one downfield opportunities. And you don't have to look any further than the game last season where they – Pitt's like, we're playing man-to-man. We're going to dare you to beat us. Uh, and, and Tennessee was not able to take advantage of it. To Ben's point, a second ago, if you're Tennessee, you're like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll take our chances. Yes, we love that. To, please, please, yes. Yes, we'll, we'll take our chances with high Because remember, 
remember who's the quarterback for all of this football game, assuming he doesn't get hurt, whereas last game, Hooker played in the second half, which was when Tennessee's offense was clicking. Right, and, and Tillman wasn't even a factor in this game last year, which is even the bigger point that, you know, with, with, with if you've got Cedric Tillman, it's not really a 50-50 ball with him. You're taking your chances. Now, Pitt has some smallish cornerbacks. There's a couple of guys that's like 5'9", 5'11". They do have one guy, uh, Battle is his name. He's 6'3", mm-hmm. really long. Uh, he'll probably get matched up with Tillman or, or Brew a lot. Um, Tennessee's going to get those opportunities. They don't have to hit on all of them, but if they throw 10 and hit 5, that's probably pretty good if you hit half of them. Tennessee hit a very low percentage of them last year, and that's probably why they weren't up more than 10 nothing early in the game. So um, can Hooker hit those? Can Tillman and McCoy make those plays? They're going to have to, to – you know, they're going to be contested competitive plays because these quarterbacks are tough. They're fierce. They fight. Uh, they've made a lot of plays. You look at their career stats. There's a lot of PBUs, a lot of interceptions. Those two safeties are really good too, so Hooker's going to have to be able to manipulate them with his eyes. One other thing I will throw out, Tennessee's tight ends in this game last season, I think had nine catches for 102 yards and more and got a touchdown. I think that could be another part of this game plan too. You know, Tennessee didn't really get the tight ends involved against Ball State, didn't need to. We had a thread on our board this week. It was like, does Tennessee even have any tight ends on the roster? I think you could see those guys in this game because some of the things that, that Tennessee does with their run scheme involving those guys, you can sort of sell one thing like they're run blocking and then slip them out. We saw that Tennessee do that a few times in that game last season. You can use Pitt's aggressiveness against them, and I think that's something you could see in this game. So, um, But, yeah, that, that's a matchup that <laughs> if you're Tennessee and you're you're told up front, you're going to get a lot of one-on-one with Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy, and those guys. You're like, sign me up. We'll take our chances. We'll throw some downfield shots, and, and, and hopefully Hooker – um, can, can hit them where Joe Milton was not able to last season. Yeah, and what I asked uh, Heupel earlier this week about you know only having the one target for a tight end in that game, and his answer sort of reminded me of the possibility of you know I wasn't that that was intentional because I'm going to throw to him a lot pretty soon, and I didn't want to do that in the first game because I didn't want people to look at it, so stop asking about it. Uh, that that was the, the 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 mild vibes that I got from from that answer were uh, we're going to throw to it. Shut up. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're going to throw to those guys. They're not going to be like 500-yard guys or anything like that, but they're going to throw to those guys because they should because those guys are both weapons in the passing game. Neither one of them is like a Travis Kelsey, um, but they're they're good football players, and Tennessee can use them. Speaking of, of Heupel talking, guys, before we get out of here, was there anything on Thursday uh, that Heupel said that stood out to you? I always kind of laugh at that Thursday Heupel presser because it's just a couple days before the game when he has – even less desire to say anything than usual, and he usually doesn't want to say anything anyway. So the Thursday one, it's kind of like, hey, everybody, uh, I'm here. Here's about 15 minutes, and um, I'm, I'm just going to be really nice and not say much. Anything he say stood out to y'all? No, not not anything particular. And before I get into a vibe I picked up on Hypo, I want to go back to Pitt's running game and, ahead, and make a ahead. point that yeah. we need to make, and, and that's that. R.J. Hammond or Rodney Hammond, uh, the the running back who came in. I don't know exactly when he came in uh, in the game. Pitt's running game was was really struggling to start the West Virginia game last week. Hammond comes in and was really good and was able to get the running game going a bit, and that's when the Pitt offense picked it up. But he left the game due to injury, so Mm -hmm. he is questionable to play. I I believe it's – a quad injury. Yeah, don't, but the, don't yeah, quote yeah. Me he on he, that. he climbed a ladder to celebrate after the game, so I don't think anything's like torn or anything. But he definitely no, looked a little he, gimpy. He, he was also on. He was also spotted on crutches after the game. Mm-hmm. So and, and he's uh, Narduzzi has not commented on it. Has been very vague, uh, and that that would be a big blow for for Pitt's running game. The Pitt running game already struggles. It seems like they finally found a back that can produce. And now he's banged up. So that is something to monitor and, and something that we needed to mention. The vibe that I picked up on Heupel and Wes, to your point about him not really giving a ton on Thursdays, it's the fourth time that he's talking. He's already talked on Monday, yep. uh, his noon presser. He's done vol calls. He did the SEC teleconference on Wednesday. And, and then that's just with us. So Thursday is his fourth time talking to us. Who knows what else he has done? Uh, and then he has the production meetings with the TV crew on Friday. So I, I think it's more of a product of him just being worn out. And, and he doesn't like to give a ton to the media as it is. But I, I, I thought there was a different vibe this Thursday. Last year, 
every Thursday, it just seemed like I'm here because I have to be here. And we'll probably reach that point. But even early in the year last year, there was that vibe of I'm only here because I have to be here. But I don't know if you two noticed, but when Heifel was walking in, he kind of had like a nice little skip to him. He was humming, whistling to himself. I mean, he, he was kind of excited and seemed like he was ready to go. And he said multiple times, like, it's been a good week of preparation. We had a good day today. And I do believe he's being genuine um, because I just don't think that he throws out that comment if if that weren't the case. He, he seemed upbeat is my point, Pat. And I think that's a great sign because I, I think it shows that he is confident going into this game. And there's certainly a confidence amongst the players that we picked up on all week long. So there wasn't anything particular that he said, but I think that he has a real quiet confidence about this football game. You're saying he had that look in his eye? <laughs> he had that look in his eye and that sound in his whistle. Pray for and Pitt. That, and that, that yip in his step. That's what he had. He had the pray for Pitt look in his eye. We're going to come out and score 50. No, just um, the one th- I asked him, because uh, we talked to some players early in the week, and, and Jabari Small was like, hey, you know, we have last season's game in the back of our mind. I think Jerome Carvin mentioned that they still had a bad taste in their mouths. And why wouldn't you? I mean, that was one of the games I think Tennessee felt they let get away and should have won. So, you know, do you want the revenge factor? I kind of asked Heupel that. He's like, sure, whatever gets him in the building to, to prepare more and watch more tape. Um, and, and he sort of said, you know, last year doesn't matter and, and it, it won't. You know, what happened last year won't help Tennessee win or lose this game. But um, certainly I think it adds a little bit of extra motivation and maybe an extra chip on, on, on the shoulder for Tennessee in this game. Um, and, and certainly Heupel touched on there being a sense of urgency of, of – knowing how to prepare and knowing what it's going to take to beat this team, um, given that they probably have felt for the last 360 whatever days that they should have beat this team last year. So the other thing to me, not really related to Hypo, is, is, you know, what do you get out of Pitt? Because they will have put a lot of emotion and a lot of energy into beating West Virginia. It's a big rivalry game. It was a huge crowd. Um, they're, they're, they obviously celebrated it really really emphatically as you as you should when you win a game that way against a team that uh against a team that that you're you know you don't like your fan base doesn't like so uh can the team can Pitt replicate that because their mo is to you know have a big win and turn around and stub their toe we saw it happen last year where they wanted Tennessee and then turn around and lost to Western Michigan um they you know they beat Clemson turn around and lost to Miami at home and, and will the crowd be the same way? I mean, it was a night game, first game. It's a big rivalry. Will Pitt's crowd be in the game like it was? And I, I think they still had to use some silent count on offense in their own stadium. So I know Tennessee will have a lot of people up there, and uh, it'll be a little warmer a little, you know, in the daylight. You know, can, can Pitt's crowd and its team, will they, will they create enough of a hostile environment um, to you know, for Tennessee? And I don't think Tennessee will walk in there and, and think, oh, this is the Swamp or this is Bryant Denny or some of those places. So – um, that, that's my big question, and, and maybe that and, and Pitt's inability, even when they won the ACC last year, to not handle success, and then maybe Tennessee's revenge factor. I think those uh, potentially could be in Tennessee's favor too, but all, all, all that changes once you kick the ball off and, and you start playing. Yeah, I think that there, there's um... – First off, with celebration, I'm not a member of the celebration police force. I think that you only get to play, you're only guaranteed 12 games a year. Me neither. And if you, you're only guaranteed 12 games a year right now in this sport. And if you don't celebrate every single win that you have, I have a problem with that. Don't act like. Especially the, yeah, yeah, the way they won it, who they were beating. Yeah, you don't need a parade. They should celebrate. You don't need a parade for every game, but every game you win, man, go out and have a good time, bro. You, you won a game. You don't get to play a lot of these. Go, go, go celebrate that. But. I think in terms of the the motivation factor, I think a couple things about that. One, I agree with Pat, that stuff doesn't matter once the ball is kicked off. But I think what it what it does influence is the way you prepare throughout the week. And if that if any kind of chip on your shoulder makes you watch a little bit of extra film, go through a couple of extra drills, you know, just stay sharp all throughout the week, then naturally, you know, by osmosis, that's going to make you usually play better on Saturday. So that's where I think the chip on the shoulder really helps you is if it helps you put in a little bit extra focus, a little bit extra work during, you know, during the week, that will help you in the game. But with that said, I think it sort of cancels out this week because, you know, Tennessee is still a little pissed off about the way that game ended last year. They just did not think that they should have lost the pit. And I think they're right. They should have won that football game as fantastically as Kenny Pickett played. And he was fantastic in that game. 
Tennessee still should have won that game if you if you don't miss a couple open, few open receivers early. If you get a better spot on fourth down, if Hendon Hooker doesn't throw one of the three picks he throws all year long, just a lot of random things happened in that game and they shouldn't have. And if any one of them had gone differently, Tennessee probably wins that game. But on the other hand, you have Pitt who's saying we went down to Neyland Stadium last year and we beat you. We are ranked higher than you. We are the defending ACC champions. You're coming to our house and we're a touchdown underdog bump that noise like they've probably been I mean if you want to talk about how you flush a win over a rival and get focused for another game that's a pretty good one right there because Narduzzi can walk in there just on the whiteboard or chalkboard or whatever the hell they have up there and just go up there and write like minus seven and circle it circle it circle it circle it they think this team that you beat last year is seven points better than you coming into your house and if that doesn't get those guys fired up to practice all week long there's something wrong with those guys so I think that kind of evens out a little bit well and I also think it evens out a little bit because the game was played on Thursday for Pitt if it was Saturday I think it would be different Uh, I I think beating West Virginia on a Thursday it allows you to enjoy it throughout the weekend flush it Ryan Shumpert style and then be able to prepare for Tennessee starting on Monday whereas if you beat West Virginia on Saturday night you're you're not getting over you're not getting over that win until like Tuesday or Wednesday and and, and then that that really is you're, you're you're sinking in it's sinking into your preparation for Tennessee uh, at, at that point whereas I guarantee you they came back on Monday ready to get to work for Tennessee because beating West Virginia is more important than beating Tennessee for Pittsburgh it's it's that simple so again having that on Thursday allowing yourself to enjoy it uh the first couple of days throughout the weekend and then get back to work on on monday unfortunately for tennessee i think it kind of wipes out that advantage of Pitt coming off of a huge emotional win yeah i mean i i i agree with that i think there's a lot of a, a lot that's going into this game and you know if you're if you're tennessee you know it's a little bit early but you still don't want your season sort of you know, heading toward the toilet, Ryan Schumpert style, early in the season. That's not what where you want your season uh, to be. But uh, guys, y'all got anything else? I know that we've we've had a good discussion about this game, gone about ten minutes longer than I think I, I we, we were we were scheduled to go. But that's all right. Again, as we've said here many times, we love sports, we love our jobs, and we're not going to apologize for that. So uh, if you get a couple extra minutes of content, uh, I don't feel like that that we that we owe anyone an apology for that. But y'all got anything else? Nope. See you in pit, Wes. Ben's not even going to say anything. Ben's not even going to say bye. You're not even going to say bye, Ben? He's telling you that you're number one. Ben, Ben, or Ben, are you good? Goodbye. There. I gave him the peace sign. I I gave him Uh the peace sign. I know what I saw. Middle finger. I know what I saw. I'm just excited. Yeah, you saw wrong. You you were fake news, Patrick Brown. Um, But I'm, I'm just excited to get up to Pittsburgh and allow Patrick to buy me tons of beer at the Pirates game for my birthday weekend. There you go. And now y'all know where we're going to be Friday night. So Pitt, uh, Pat's uh, location has been teased. How about that? Now there's a way to end it. Now, Ben, I'm not buying you nothing. It's going to be CBS. It's buying your birthday. <laughs> That's a good one. See y'all. Bye, Wes. Bye, Wesley. There's that button. And now I can say, Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. 
We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it, get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.